This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Is it a great morning to be in church or what? Yes, indeed, it's a great morning to be in church. And uh, this morning, we're, we, we just have this wonderful subject. doesn't sound very good on the front end. You already heard me pray about it. We're going to talk about resolving conflicts in our families. And I just want to go back and say a couple of things. The first week in this Future Family series, we had a target up here, and our goal was to get every one of our shots where? On the target. Then a lot of feedback about that, and a lot of families are moving forward in getting not only every shot on the target, but trying to get it closer and closer to the bullseye. And then last week, Kevin said, I want to send you home with one question to ask. And what was it? What can I do to help? Yes. Did you have a good time asking that question this week? Yeah, that's awesome. We're learning how to take our families, no matter how dysfunctional they may be, and move them into the category of functional. And we're not just stopping there. We're taking our families and we're moving them so that they can become great families. Because God's goal for us and our goal for ourselves should be to take hold of everything that God has for us. And if just putting it on the bottom line, Jesus didn't die so you could have a dysfunctional family. That makes sense? He died so you could have a great family. So as a church, we want to teach you. We want to equip you. We want to train you so that you can step into that and you can have a great family. Now, I want to give a shout out to all of those of you who are brand new to New Life this morning. <clears throat> Welcome to church. You are part of our family this morning. And um, I just want to encourage you, even if you're just passing through, God has a reason for you being here, and my prayer is that you won't miss it while you're here. Because we're asking you to join us, every one of us who come here every week. We believe that every time we come, God meets us here, and He has a specific thing that He wants to speak into our lives, and it's how and it's what He wants us to go out and work on in the coming week. So you are just as much on board with that as we are. So I want to welcome you. And a couple of things that we can do. Uh, as we get started. And the first thing is, if you will take out your programs, and I neglected to bring one up here, so you're going to have to use your own. On the inside of your program, there's a long skinny card called a Connect card. On the front side, there's a place for you to put in your contact information, particularly if you're brand new. If you would trust us with your contact information, we want to help you get connected with God. We will act with full integrity about that, we're not going to send you stuff you don't want. We're certainly not going to hit you up for donations and all that kind of stuff. But if you will give us your contact information, we will put some valuable tools in your hands, uh, beginning with a thank you note for me, for you coming here this week and giving God a chance to speak into your life through this church. So if you'll put your contact information, all the rest of you, if you're here all the time, just put your name there. But on the back side, I want to draw your attention to one thing. <clears throat> Down at the bottom, there's a number of options, and the top one in that list should say foundations. For those of you who are new to our church, if you've been in, if you've been in our church less than a year or even less than two years and you haven't taken foundations, you owe it to yourself to take foundations. It, it is our church's way of helping you understand what this church is about, what God has called us to do, um, how He has called us to do it, 
It's the basics of what we teach and believe and everyone in our church. We just want you to go through it so that you have a firm understanding of who we are so that there's sort of nothing that's withheld from you. It's a full disclosure kind of church and Foundations is a really fun time. It's fast-paced. It has a brunch. You can check your kids in. So that's what that's for. If you haven't taken that, I want to encourage you, check that and get on board with that. That starts next Sunday. It's two sessions long. Now, get out your teaching notes, and let's talk about conflict. Every time I think of conflict, I think of two stories that come out of the home, and the first is of of two husbands who were sitting together, and they were sort of just chewing the fat, and one guy said to the other guy, said, one thing I love about my marriage, I always get the last words in any conflict. And his buddy looked at him and said, I bet you do. Yes, dear. Yeah. And then I think of the two ladies who were, who were talking to each other, and one of them looked at the other one and said, don't you just hate it when your husband gets a last word in an argument? She says, no, not really. I'm just glad when he finally gets there. <laughs> the truth is, when you take people and you put them in the same family and you do that week after week after week, eventually something rubs. That's where we live. That's the reality of life. And unfortunately in our world, many times instead of resolving that conflict, we opt for two different things because they require less of us or because we're simply just not trained in how not to do this. <clears throat> One thing is we, we decide, I've married the wrong person. Because if I married the right person, I wouldn't have this. By the way, you know how prevalent that is? I don't want to pick on this guy, but everybody's heard of him, and he's a brilliant guy. His name is Donald Trump. You heard of him? Of course you have. I heard Donald Trump interviewed, I believe it was by Oprah, it was either her or Barbara Walters, and she asked him about marriage, and he said, you know, here's the deal. I've been married more than once, but the deal is I work all day long in the business world and I want to marry someone that I don't have to work at ever. It's too bad Dr. Phil wasn't there because he would have said, how's that working for you? <laughs> because the truth is, there is no such thing as a great marriage or a great family that doesn't take work. In fact, in one way of measuring your love and the depth of your love for your spouse or your children is how hard are you willing to work at that relationship? You and I just stood to our feet and we sang a song about God. And it went like this, your love, it knows what? No end. You know how you can know that God loves you? Because look what he did for you. Look what he was willing to do. Look at the work he was willing to put into his relationship with you and your relationship with him. And that's how you know he loves you. And aren't you glad God didn't say, I'm just looking for some people I don't have to work at. Because then we'd have no message of hope. So this morning we're going to talk about conflict resolution. And we're going to go to a passage of Scripture that just, it just takes the light of God's Word and just illuminates 
this problem. It tells us the five things we struggle with, and it gives us a wonderful three-step plan for how to deal with those five. Let's go to James chapter 4. It says, Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? You know, one thing I love about God is when you get done reading what He has to say, you, you, you rarely walk away and go, wonder what he was really trying to say. Because he lays it right out. You know, in, in our terminology, we'd say God just throws it down right here. He says, you want to know where fights and arguments come from? Here it is. They come from the selfish desires that war within you. And he goes on to break it down for us. You want things, but you don't have them. So you are ready to kill and are jealous of other people, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. You know what God was really saying? In one sentence, and I can tell you this, all conflict resolution begins with this understanding. And by the way, both parties need to come to this understanding. Here it is. The trouble with us is me. I know that wasn't a resounding amen, was it? We love to think the trouble with us is whom? You. If you would just be the person I want you to be, and if you would just let me be the person I want to be. I was on a golf course yesterday <clears throat> with, with three people that I didn't know. And on the second or third hole, I said to one of the guys that I had just met, I said, so who are you and what do you do? And he told me his name. My name is Jeff. I work for HSBC. And I'm going to use his language. It's not language I would normally use. He said, for 40 years, I've done what they told me to do. So I sat down with my family last year. And I said, from this point on in my life, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to. Don't even ask me not to do anything different. How do you think that might go for him? I just see trouble ahead all over the place. Of course. And when there's conflict in that marriage, Jeff is going to think the problem with us, the trouble with us, is you. Because I'm doing whatever I want to do. But when two married people, or teens and parents, or full-grown children and parents get into conflict until both parties are willing to look in the mirror and say, at least part of the problem in this relationship is the person I see there. And own up to that. And by the way, if you will own up to all of your stuff and a little bit more, because there's probably stuff that you're not aware of that you need to own up to anyway, then you can begin to resolve the conflict. But, you know, in this little passage, James lays out for us five things that we struggle with. He says, you don't get what you don't want, you don't get what you want because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because the reason you ask is wrong. You want things so that you can use them for your own pleasures. Anyone guilty of that? Yeah, everybody in this room. 
Here's the five things that James says we struggle with, and they are the cause of our conflicts. They all come from that basic thing that we have desires on the inside that are not good for us, and they're not good for our family. But instead of dealing with the desires, we take it out on our family. Number one is manipulation. Even the best people among us manipulate sometimes the members of our family. When my kids were little, they were going through a stage where no matter what I suggested, they always wanted to do something else. Can you remember that? Of course. So I got up one morning and, and I was hungry and I, I knew we were going to have cereal. And I went down and I took the cereal boxes out and I put them on the table. And for whatever reason that morning, I was hungry for Cheerios, but there was only one serving of Cheerios left. And because I'm an unselfish father, I'm going to give my children the first shot. I realize there will be no Cheerios for me. And then a very wise plan struck me. When my children sat at the table, I said, how about some Cheerios? To which they all said, no, I'd rather have this and this and this. And I got my Cheerios. (laughs) I manipulated my children. I appeared unselfish, but on the inside, I was actually selfish. Now, there's not one of us that doesn't do that from time to time. And James says, look, when you wonder where conflict comes from, it comes from that sort of behavior. Because sooner or later, the people in your household are going to figure out they're being manipulated no matter how, quote, unselfish you appear on the outside. And in fact, one of the translations, instead of saying you're ready to kill, it says you scheme that concept is taught in there. Okay? I want you to think in your own life, what am I doing that might fit into that category? Because it contributes to the conflict. The second thing he says is this. Not only do you use manipulation, but you get aggressive about it. Okay? You get aggressive about it. In other words, he uses terms that are very combative. Did you notice he used the words war Fight and kill. I would say those are relatively aggressive. And the truth is, in our homes, sometimes heaven help the person who stands between us and what we want. And when our kids stand in the way, it's amazing what we can do to try to get them out of the way. When our wife stands in the way, it's amazing how miserable we can make her life without ever doing anything, quote, bad. This aggression is what makes every parent yell at their kids. It's a form of aggression. This aggression is what sometimes causes fathers or husbands to become physical with their wives and children. I'm not talking about physical in the right way, in the wrong way. It's also what causes wives to batter their husbands and badger their husbands. It's just aggression. James calls it what it is. You want something you don't have, and you're willing to make people miserable until it changes. 
sort of reminds you of the old statement, okay? The beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah. We get aggressive. We get combative. He points out a third thing, and the third thing is comparison. He uses the term jealous. Because oftentimes in the family, there's this comparison thing. Have you ever noticed if you had more than one child that every child is aware of what the other child has? Yes, absolutely. Definitely aware of that. But you know, it goes way beyond that. You also know how unaware they are of what they have that the other child doesn't have, right? It's like that doesn't even count. But you know, I've seen this in so many marriages. When in families, children steal toys because it feels like a double win to them, okay? First of all, when they steal another child's toy, it means the other child doesn't have it anymore, but now it feels like they do have it. So they win on both regards. When you get older, you learn not to do that, so you enter into what's called negotiation, okay? And so the husband, there's something that he really wants. And let's just assume, and by the way, I'm going to pick on guys that ride motorcycles, but not on purpose, all right? Let's just assume it's a motorcycle that the guy wants, and he lobbies and lobbies and lobbies and lobbies and and just goes after it and goes after it and goes after it and makes life miserable until finally the wife gets a really sharp idea and she says, you can have that motorcycle if. What's on the other end of that? If I can have a new car. Are you ready for this? So the family goes out and buys two things they can't afford and ends up with financial problems and marital conflict and they both look at each other and blame each other. Where do quarrels come from? It's your selfish desires that are at war within you. We can manipulate We can get aggressive. We get into this comparison thing. And then he points out a fourth area, and that is this, that that we, we have poor communication. In other words, he says here, you don't have because you don't ask of God. But in the context of the home, God would say to us, oftentimes you don't have because you just don't ask. I can't tell you as a pastoral counselor how many times people have come into my office and there's this huge conflict in the family and it's because of expectations and it's because of desires that have actually never been communicated to the other person. Wow. Sometimes the reason they're not communicated is because they sound really selfish when you do. You know, I think sometimes the things that we would say to God feel the same way to us, which is why we struggle to get them out in prayer. Yeah. Poor communication. Don't have time. That's a whole subject all of itself. And then the last one he says is selfish desires. He said, even when you do ask, you don't get what you want because your desires are selfish. Can I just pull over to the side of the road for a minute and talk about that? Because none of us ever throw up the flag and say, I just want to express something really selfish. Okay? 
So we have to cloak it into something else. And by the way, families can sniff this stuff out and you might be able to pull this over on your little kids. But when your kids get in junior high and high school, man, God bless them with a sniffer that can sniff out motives like you can't imagine. So dad says, we've been watching way too much TV in our home. There's going to be no TV in our home from 5 o'clock until 6.30 every night. And that's going to be our way of, 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 of lowering TV watching. And the teenage kids all look at each other and go, yeah, you know why? Dad wants to go to plop in his chair, which, by the way, is conveniently aimed at the TV for after the kids go to bed. But he wants to read his newspaper and not be interrupted. It sounds holy. It's just actually wholly selfish. Yeah. It's amazing It's not only what we do, it's why we do what we do. Dear, this motorcycle would be so good for our marriage because we could go on long rides together. Is that your real motivation? Yeah. By the way, apologies to motorcycle owners. I'm I'm not really anti-motorcycle. I just want us to dig into our motives. Because, friends, if we're not willing to dig into our motives, we will never, ever resolve the conflict because we're always working on the surface and we're never getting down to what's really going on. Now, James just throws it down and says, you want to know the struggle? There it is, right there. And then he wraps it up with three verses that tell us how to solve those things. And they're wonderful. And I can tell you right up front, they're going to seem way too simple to work. And some of us are going to be tempted just to dismiss them out of hand because, ah, I can't imagine that'll work. But they will. Ready? Let's read the last half of this thing. The Bible says, But God gives you us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. By the way, you see right away that there's a connection between grace and the ability to overcome those evil desires. We're going to get into that in a minute. As the Scriptures say, God opposes opposes the proud, but He favors or pours out His blessing on the humble. Let's read the rest of it as well. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, or as one passage, one translation says, draw near to God. And I'm going to help you understand that actually that that actually means sit with God. That's the concept. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. The first thing that James tells us is if we want to really resolve conflict in our family and not just sort of sweep it under the rug and wait till it blows up again bigger and worse, but if we want to actually resolve conflict, we have to create in our families a culture of humility and grace. And I noted this, that grace is never in short supply in the culture of humility. Where you have a culture of humility... There's great grace. They just go together. You see, humility would say, I can't put my needs ahead of other people. In fact, what did Kevin tell us last week? Kevin said, it's our responsibility to leverage whatever power we have in our position as leaders of the family to leverage our power in ways that bless 
other people and serve them. Humility shows me how to do that every day. And it puts my own desires and my own needs underneath the desires of my wife and the needs of my children. Humility is what enables me to have grace toward my wife. When she is less than the perfect lady, I want her to be. It's what enables me to have grace toward my children when they do something that disappoints me or it may even hurt me or worse yet, embarrass me. Conflict resolution begins when I'm willing to create a culture of humility in my life and then lead my family in the development of a culture of humility throughout my entire family. Parents, listen up. One of the greatest things you could ever do for your children, grandparents, one of the greatest things you could ever do for your grandchildren, yes, give them sugar and all those things so you can be a real grandparent. But in the midst of all the Snickers candy bars and ice cream, teach your grandchildren a culture of humility. Wow. You will so lower the conflict level in their lives. Number two. He says you've got to resist the devil. Friends, can I tell you the devil is never inactive in conflict. He is sitting right there on your shoulder. And have you ever noticed that one of the initial responses that you might have is usually a very bad one? You ever want to yell at somebody? You ever want to say something terrible to somebody? I know you wouldn't admit it sitting right here, but have you ever really wanted to just haul off and smack somebody? (laughs) Of course you have. You ever wanted to smack your husband or your wife? Of course you have. No, no, no. You're not going to say it here because you've got to drive home with them. But that is true. We all have that stuff. You know why? Because there's a Satan in this world and he has access to the part of your mind that enables you to be tempted and he will continually feed you wrong responses, wrong answers, wrong actions, and wrong attitudes. So God's up front. Friends, if you're not willing to resist Satan... You can't resolve the conflict in your family because you have the source of evil that's just spewing in your household. And until you're willing to do that, I want you to think of it like a ruptured sewer in your house. If you want to have a good house, don't just go buy a mop. Okay? you got to fix the source. And until you're willing to actually resist the devil and recognize his voice and recognize when he's speaking to you and resist what he says to you and don't give in to have that response and don't say those words and don't have that attitude and don't do that stuff, then you just was on the phone yesterday with my my younger brother. And he said, Ron, I have a partner. He's a medical doctor. And he said, one of my medical partners has this phrase that he uses all the time. And that is, we create our own weather. I want you to think about that phrase. If you want to lower the conflict in your home, okay, 
Don't create the weather of conflict. Learn to identify the voice and the promptings and the temptings of Satan and say no to it. Resist. Now, you're not going to be able to do that on your own. Okay? You've got to make that choice on your own. But you won't have the strength to do that on your own, which is why James says, come close to God. Draw near to God. And He will come close to you. Because it's in the nearness of God that the voice of Satan dwindles. And the closer you get to God, the more you hear His voice and the less you hear the voice of Satan. And the closer you get to God, the more you see Satan's voice for what it is. And the more power you have to resist it. So let's go to three ways that we can apply this today. And the first one is this. I prayed earlier that those of us who hadn't yet made the decision to become Christians would make that today. Friend, it is the best, first, most important decision you can make in your life. And there's never a good reason to put it off. Never, ever a good reason to put it off. You were created to be God's child. You were created to spend eternity with God. And until you decide to become a Christian and get your sins forgiven through Jesus Christ, you don't have a spot in heaven. It's just not there for you. You can't get there until that's resolved. And the great thing about God is, He says you can resolve it today. And so on the back side of your Connect card, there's a place that, where you can check. I'm going to apply today's teaching by, and if you're not a Christian yet, everything on the inside of me wants to say, get on board with Jesus, because that's where life begins. I stood out in the hallway today with a wonderful group of people who are serving you in our guest services ministry. And I stood in a small group of three or four people and we were praying. And I was just so blessed because one of the guys who was praying, he said, God, I just can't believe how you've changed me and how you've changed my family in the last few months. It started with a decision to get next to God through the church. Starts with that decision. You check that and you'll get a phone call and contact from me this week. And I'll walk you through that decision. Because it will literally take your life in whatever direction it's going. And it will point you in a different direction. And it will point you in a healthy direction. The second thing is this. I'm going to take half of a day off in the next month to draw near to God. I know for every one of us our days off are very, very important and precious to us. But I want to tell you, one of the greatest things you can do is take half a day and go somewhere away from people and away from the hustle and bustle of life and get alone with God. If you're an ocean person, go to the beach. If you're a mountain person, go to the mountains. If you're a desert person, go to the desert. Go wherever you can sit in the presence of God and sit next to God. Allow yourself to be aware of God's presence around you. Thank God for the wonderful life He's given you. Thank Him for the blessings He's poured into your life. Look up into the sky and begin to talk with your Heavenly Father. And in that context of being near to God and sitting next to God and sitting with God, as you listen to Him, then you take whatever conflict is in your family and you start to talk to him about it. And God guarantees you he will give you an answer in that place.
you might say to me, oh, pastor, half a day, that's, that's a big, big deal. I have a question for you. Is your family worth half a day? Well, then don't make an excuse around it. Go do it. What did James say? Draw near. Come close. That means sit with God. And God will sit with you. I've never had a person do that and come back to me and give me anything other than that was life-changing. So there you go. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends this morning. I pray for those who haven't decided to become Christians. God, would you move and motivate them right now to do that? And I pray for us that we would take this half a day and that we would go out and we'd get alone with you and we would sit with you. And God, I can't wait for what you're going to speak into our lives and I can't wait for what you're going to do in our families because as we sit with you, we will, we will end up with the power to resist Satan. We'll hear your voice and we'll take hold of the life you have for us. And Lord, for those of us this morning who've been away from you for a long time, and we need to return. Would you give us the faith to say, today I get back on board with Jesus. I pray it in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.